know about you, but I'm excited about communion today. I'm excited that I made it through another year. Come on, say amen. And I'm excited about Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? Praise the Lord, everybody. God is good. I said God is good. And all the time, God is good. When I was down in Huntsville, Alabama, one of the preachers said, one of the old southern saints said to him, nah, said God is not good. Said chicken is good. They said, but God is great. Come on, say amen. How many know that God is great in here this morning? How many had a wonderful holiday? Praise ye the Lord. God is doing great things. Amen. How many know that you know that you know God is real? How many know that God is real? How many don't need nobody to try to sing it for you, explain it to you? You just know for yourself. Amen. How many have tried him? <laughs> That's what my grandmother used to say. She said, I've tried him for myself. <laughs> yes. We have tried him and we have found him to be faithful. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. Let's give a round of applause and thanksgiving to our choir for losing all our guilty stains. We thank the Lord for that this morning. We give God the praise. I want you to know I had a good holiday. I had a good holiday. While we were down in uh, Dayton with uh, my family members, just as we were preparing the meal to eat for Christmas, my uncle Robert uh, passed out right there. Lost consciousness. Uh, my brother Barry, who obviously is a physician, was there asking him, Uncle Robert, are you all right? He was totally unresponsive, totally unresponsive. And we just began to pray, <laughs> began to pray, didn't know what happened, didn't know what was going on. And I'm just telling you why I'm thankful. I don't know. <laughs> I said, I'm just telling you why I'm thankful. And as we began to cry out unto God, he was quickened and came to himself. The EMTs came in exact at the right time. <laughs> Barry happened to be there to be able to minister to his medical needs. And he was back at dinner with us that evening. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Charles Parrish, and y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been, you've been there before. And so for those of you who have at least at some point in your life been on the brink of death, can I ask you a question? Is God real? Has anybody ever been on a sick bed and have found that he's real? Have found him to be faithful? Get your attitude together today and open up your mouth and give the Lord some praise. You made it this year by the grace of God. How many made it this year financially by the grace of God? You don't know how you made it this far. Some of you didn't pay bills. Come on in here. Light's still on. Come on, say amen. They didn't kick you out. They didn't take your car. <laughs> God is good. I was talking to one of our brothers this week. He'll share his testimony in a little while. But he had, he had let someone stay at his home. They borrowed his car. Well, borrowed is, uh, I'm using that loosely. <laughs> uh, Y'all know uh, how black folk borrow. That, that means they stole it. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Somebody stole the boy's car. Because they took it without asking. Come on, say amen. Took his car while he was out of town for the holidays. Came back, could not find him, could not find the car. Found out he had been arrested, that the car had been impounded. He was upset because his car was impounded. The only way he'd get his car out is if he pressed charges against this brother that he was trying to help. But if he did that, it would be a, uh, I don't know what the charge is, grand theft auto. 
And so in mercy, he said, I don't want to I don't want to do that to him, but I need my car. So it's going to cost him some two hundred and fifty dollars to get it out of the impound. Now, mind you, your bro, your boy had not. This is a keel. Uh, one of our newest members. He had not he had not made a payment on his car note. Can I tell you how good God is? He had not made a payment and he found out that the repo man came looking for his car. Y'all know, I can't get nobody to pray with me in here. The repo man came looking for his car, but they couldn't find it because somebody stole it and it got impounded. Y'all not hearing me? <laughs> and so then his, his, his disappointment turned into praise. <laughs> he says, I don't have my car now. But it almost happened where I wouldn't have had it at all. (laughs) And I have come to realize after a whole year, 2013, that God has even worked in the dumb stuff. Come on, say amen. Has anybody ever forgot to work stuff out when you do dumb stuff? God has has shown himself faithful when I have been unfaithful. Have I got a witness in here? How many know this? the testimony of 2013 has not been your faithfulness, but the testimony, come on in here, Zion. The testimony of 2013 has been his faithfulness. Ah, oh, man. Praise you, the Lord. Somebody shout, God is faithful. Come on, somebody say, God is faithful. Now look at your neighbor beside you and give them a good bump and tell them God is faithful. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. mercy. Well, why not? Huh? Great is thy faithfulness. Y'all know this? Stand to your feet. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with. Is this your testimony this year? Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever. Come on, sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on, sing it. Great is thy faith. Come on, Zion. Yes, Lord. Great is thy faith. Morning. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great, great is thy faith. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faith. Great. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. Amen. Sit down. Praise the Lord. Sit down. Sit down. Sometimes you just got to break out into praise. Come on, say amen. How many of y'all do that from time to time? Listen, man, my, my shower is my praise room. Come on. How many of you get in the shower sometimes? You just be getting to thinking of the goodness of Jesus. And you can't tell the difference between the water from the shower and the tears on your face. 
Hey. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. All year long he's been faithful. I love what the old folks used to say. Y'all don't say this too much anymore. But but, uh, from dangers seen. I ain't tripping on the dangers I've seen. I'm amazed at the unseen stuff. How many know the devil tried to kill you this year? How many know he tried to kill? uh, Come on in here. How many know he tried to kill you this year? But because of God's, those twins called grace and mercy. (laughs) Woo! Yes, sir. And I'm praying today that you love him more at the end of 2013 than you did at the beginning of 2013. Is that your testimony today? Huh? How many, no, how many, no, 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 no. Let's not pass by this. How many can say, if you, if you know that you can say that, just lift your hands and bless him. How many can say, I love him more at the end of the year than I did at the beginning of the year? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how God get gooder and gooder? Thank you, Jesus. This year was hell. I don't know what it was like for you. It was hell. Folk always coming and listen, Pastor, you know the saints, they can be hard. Listen, I ain't talking about y'all. Man, the, the, listen, the joy of my life has been pastoring Glenville. Folk always checking, checking. They always testing me out. Pastor, you okay? The folk ain't bothered. It ain't, but Glenville ain't bothered me a bit. The hell I've been dealing with been outside of this church. This thing has been rough this year. The family crisis and personal crises and seeing family members go through crisis. And I said, surely the Lord is coming soon. Come on, say amen. How many know we're one more year closer to the soon return of Jesus? Well, bless your heart today. We are just excited. I can tell. I love first service. Don't tell second service that. You know, I was almost tempted for a second, but I said, no, first service. I love this. I love first service. When y'all come up in here, y'all come up in here. Y'all ain't playing. Come on in here. Y'all shouting on hymns and praising him at the intercessory prayer and glorifying him at the welcome and Ushers back there shouting and praising God. I mean, you look at the bulletin and get happy. That's what I'm talking about right there. Some folk, they've been in the church so long that it takes too much for them to get excited. But see, when you ain't been here for a while and you show up, you just get excited when you, when you, see, when you see the saints that you ain't seen all week. Come on, say amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the media team if they'll put that slide on the screen right now. Um, I need everybody to pay attention. We next Sabbath is the first Sabbath of 2014. Come on, say, I'm just, I can't believe it's 2014. That's weird. Just the idea that 2014, well, 2014, uh, the first Sabbath, January is going to be a special Sabbath. We are going to have one service in your bulletins. Good thing about our bulletins is our bulletins tell you everything you need to know a month in advance. Now, some of y'all have been waiting. Say, listen, Pastor, when are you going to give us them weekly bulletins? Well, I, I, well, you got a bulletin that tells you, I mean, we're preparing you for the whole month. Oh, I can't get nobody to talk back to me. No, seriously, 
and we, we, are, we are getting to a place where we're getting so organized that every announcement for the month is in here. And guess what? You can could, you could take it home with you and not leave it on the pews like we used to leave the other ones. <laughs> Amen? So listen, every announcement for the whole month is here. It's right here. And the first Sabbath of January, inside there, we have a little leaflet. First Sabbath of January, we are having a special one service. There will not be two services next Sabbath. Next Sabbath, there'll be one service. How many services are we having, everybody? We're going to start off the new year together with one service. Amen? And we're going to eat one meal together. Come on, say amen. And we're inviting all of you. I want, don't, don't, don't miss this because I don't want nobody to say, I didn't know. Well, you got it right here in your hand. I want you to take a look at this right now so you can know what the order of the day will be. According to this, this slide, tells us what's in your leaflet inside your bulletin. There will be one service on Sabbath, January the 4th, 2014. Sabbath school will start at 9.15 a.m. What time, everybody, will Sabbath school start? 9.15 a.m. And James Whitehead will be teaching our lesson study for that Sabbath morning. Then at 11 a.m., 11 a.m., what time, everybody? We are having our worship service together, everybody, amen? Then at 1.30 p.m., we are having dinner for everybody. We are inviting, I thought somebody would say amen, as much as y'all like free food. We are providing a meal for everybody. We want to spend this first Sabbath together. Would you say amen? And then 5.30 p.m., as the sun goes down, we're going to have a business meeting. And in this business meeting, we're going to show you the plans for the building project. By the grace of God, you are going to be amazed at what God is getting ready to do. God has been working that thing out. So all day, plan next Sabbath to be with us all day long by the grace of God. Then on Sunday, then on Sunday, we will have our leadership summit. So if you are a leader in this church, we're asking all leaders to be here on that Sunday, January 5th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Now, let's clarify what leader is. A leader is anybody who is in any ministry in this church. All right? So if you are the assistant to the assistant of the assistant, then you are to be here. All right? Elders, deacons, and deacons, and deaconess, and the assistant to the assistant, and the person who takes minutes in the meeting that doesn't have a title. Every person who is in a ministry, you need to be here. And that leadership summit is next Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. by the grace of God. All right? So let's repeat ourselves one more time so that we're all on the same page. On January the 4th, how many services are we having? One service, all right. What time is Sabbath school? 9.15. What time is the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> what time are we, are we uh, what time are we having dinner? 1.30. What time is business meeting? And what time is the leadership summit? And what day is it on? Sunday. Our minds are clear? All minds clear? You spread the word for us? We're going to do this again at the second service so that everybody is clear in the direction that we are going. Our theme, uh, as you can see, for our capital campaign for the building project is building a place for grace, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. However, our theme for 2014 for our entire church and our preaching series is going to be the church has left the building. Church has left the building. And we are excited about what God is going to do with us. Let's go to the word of God today. I want to talk about breaking bread, breaking bread as we prepare for communion today. How many get happy when you hear it's time for communion? 
How many get happy? You're supposed to. Some folks get scared, and that's because they ain't been taught. But if you, if you read what I read in the word of God and in the spirit of prophecy, come on, say amen. For those who still, anybody still read the spirit of prophecy in here? If you, if you read what I read, homegirl tells us we ought to get happy when we hear it's communion. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26. By the way, most of you have noticed that we are no longer able to park at the church next door. And this is to protect all of us because our insurance policies do not cover any damage. Of course, we had an accident over there. And so the safest thing to do now, as, as you have had to do already, because they just they locked the gate. Come on, say amen. Now, they're a very loving congregation. The pastor's nice about it. He wasn't, you know, he says, I lovingly in Jesus' name, we're going to lock the gate on y'all. <laughs> We, y'all not going to tear up our fence because our insurance, the way it happens is if, if, if either one of us parks at either one of us parking lot and something happens, our insurance does not cover that and neither does theirs. What happens is, is they got to chase after your insurance. And how many know that some folk driving around here are supposed to have insurance? <laughs> they said, we don't even want to deal with that fight at all. Y'all park in y'all parking space, and we'll park in ours. And if, you, if there's need for overflow, of course, you park on the street or at the plaza across the street. Thank you. Um, Matthew 26. I'm going to talk about breaking bread today. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And I want you to uh, look carefully at, uh, let's go at verse 20 first and work our way to 26. And I think this will help us today. The Bible says, when the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating... Passover, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Yes, you will. Verse 22, they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord. I won't do it. Verse 23, how many know never say never? Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Well, everybody did that. Verse 24, the son of man will go just as it is written about him. Verse Continues, but woe to the man that betrays. Now, this blew my mind. Watch this, guys. Watch this. The Lord showed me this in my devotion. Watch this. Watch what the word of God says. The son of man will go just as it is written. As it is what? About him. But what? Now, watch this, guys. Watch this. We got to thank God for his mercy today. But woe to the man who betrays the son of God. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Now, the assumption is, is that Judas is the only person that betrayed the Lord. That's a lie. Is anybody honest enough in here to admit today that you have had some Judas moments in your life where you have betrayed the Lord? Man, did you hear what the Lord said? He said, man, if you betray, it is almost better if you wasn't even born. Thank God for those twins called grace and mercy. Verse 25 says, then Judas... The one who would betray him said, surely, <laughs> oh, listen, look, look at the pride in your, in your people, Lord. Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. While they were eating, here we go, here we go. While they were eating, while they were eating, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body. I want to read that text one more time. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, 
gave thanks or blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body. I want to talk today about the order of breaking bread. Let us pray. Father in heaven, teach us what it is your word has to say. For Christ's sake we pray, and we need help today, Lord. The word that is coming to us now is the word that many of us have been avoiding our our whole lives. But today, help us to see the blessing in being broken. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children said amen and amen. Well, it looks like Jesus is pretty much close to the most important thing that ever happened in the history of humanity, which was his sacrifice. I've often struggled with why Christ didn't just die when he got here. Why why wait three and a half years for the inevitable? Are you understanding what I'm saying? If, if, If I'm coming here to be a sacrifice, matter of fact, the scripture says that he was, and all Bible students will know this, He is the lamb slain, what does the word of God say? From the foundations of the world. In other words, his decision to die happened, and this is good news right here. Norma Jean, he decided to die for you before he even got here. Before you even got here, he was the lamb slain. (laughs) Woo! Wrap, Wrap your mind around that idea. That before, mother, you got here, he had already made his mind up. He was going to die for you before he got here. Marlene, that, 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 I struggle with that because I, I, I often try to put myself in the shoes of God to see how I would react. And I can't tell you if I knew that Camden and Taylor were planning, they were going to kill me. That I would give birth to them. Come on, somebody. That, that would be a great deterrent for abstinence. Come on. <laughs> Y'all not hearing me in here. That would encourage abstinence. Come on, say, if you knew that the child that was to be born from you's number one mission was to kill you, you would abort that child before it got here. Christ knew, no, listen, his father knew that he was sending his son not for the many, but for the few. Did y'all hear what I just said? When, when Christ made the decision, he and his father in the councils of heaven, Wallace, to die, he made that decision knowing that his death would only be for a few folk that would appreciate it. If I were God, I wouldn't have done it. It is not in, it is not in the, the, the nature of human beings. I don't care. Think of the person that you love the most. You don't have that kind of love. Where you, where you know that they have strategized and planned your demise, but yet you throw them, yourself to them for them to do to you what they planned on doing. The Bible says he was a land slain from the foundations of the world. He chose to put himself in this mess. 
Some of you married and didn't know what you got into. Come on in here. And so you got shocked. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's a whole nother sermon, but I can talk about that. But understand, your God, this was not ignorance. He got, he knew what he, he knew you before you knew you. He knew how trifling you were. Come on, say amen. He knew how proud and stubborn you were. He knew how many times you would run to him and then run away from him. How, he knew how unfaithful you would be. He knew what lying tongue you would have. He knew all the sins that you would commit against yourself and others. He knew how you would drag other people down because of your bad decisions. He knew how you would spit in his face after he had been merciful to you time and time again. He knew that and yet even knowing that he says, I'm going. And here's the amazing thing. I'm like, why not just come and die instead of putting yourself through three and a half years of living on this planet with us crazy folk? And then it hit me. You all know this. You're Bible students. Why did he, why did he live for three and a half years, then die? Why not just come and die? Why not be a baby offered as a sacrifice and just die? That would have, if it's not the blood, doesn't the blood save us? Wait, is, is an adult's blood better than a baby's blood? Not if he's God. Well, the issue is, is Christ came for two purposes. He not only came to die, but he came to show us how to die. Some folk think that he came to show you how to live. He didn't come to show you how to live. He came to show you how to die. One of the reasons why we misunderstand the life of Christ is because we're too busy trying to figure out how to live instead of trying to understand how to die. I don't think it's a bad thing for us to think about our mortality. I used to, and I don't understand, you know, why our people don't, you know, write, do wills and stuff like that. Y'all need to do stuff like that. Y'all need to do stuff like that. Don't get nervous. Stop being superstitious and think if you talk about death, you're going to die. Some folk, <laughs> some, folk <laughs> some folk think if they talk about death, somehow they're going to invite death. No, it's wisdom. Just as a side note, some of your counterpart ethnicities, they think and they talk often about it. And that way they're able to prepare their families for it so that when that time does come, the church is ready. Their families are ready. When I went to Andrews University, just as an example, I was looking at all the beautiful buildings. Every semester, a new building would go up in Andrews. And so I came from Oakwood, which is pretty much African-American run. And I wonder why it took us like five and six years for a building to go up. And so I asked one of the, uh, you know, the administrators at Andrews, you know, why, every time I turn around, why I say, oh, he said, this is dead people's money. He says, he, he says, you understand that, he says, many of these folk have put the school in their will. They've put the church in their will. They put their family, they thought about this through. Understand now, if you, see, there is a benefit, is what I'm saying, to thinking about your mortality. Don't wait till you get sick. To start thinking about how you're going to live. To me, one of the best motivations on understanding how I should live is to consider that one day I ain't going to be here. The way we say it in short is live every day as if it were your. And so one of the things that Christ shows us, I love this, Christ shows us how to live by showing us how to die. Um, Can you imagine having a ticking time clock on your life and you knew when you were going to die? Christ knew the exact time that he was going to die. Now, many of you are saying, if I only knew when I was going to die, I would live right. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. 
You think you would, but you know you wouldn't. Come on, say amen. You couldn't do it. You know why you can't do it? Because you can't manufacture goodness. You can't manufacture righteousness. If I told some of you that you were going to die tonight, you would still struggle to live godly by tonight. So understand now, Jesus really teaches us not how to live, but how to die. I'm going to show you in three and a half years how one prepares for their death. <laughs> And so in those three and a half years, every, you know what? Jesus didn't waste time. He didn't waste time. Why? Because I've got three and a half years to make it count. I need Myron. I need Myron. I need David. I need Roscoe. I need them to understand how to live, not just so they can live. I need to learn, teach them how to live so they'll know how to die. I want them to look at my life and discern what to do with their time. Some of us act like we got all year. Some of us think we got, listen, there are folk that ain't in here that were here last year. Come on, talk to me now. There were folk in your family that ain't here no more. Every day you ought to preach your own eulogy. Every day you ought to think about what's going to be said at the day of your departure. Every day you ought to consider how it's going to be when you go down. Every day you ought to consider what kind of legacy. I, I don't want people to say he was a nice guy. If that's all my contribution is to society, then, I mean, then plum plum me. I don't want him to say he's an, I want him to say that he was radical for Christ. That he had a burden for souls. That he loved his family. And that he was awaiting the soon return of Jesus Christ. Not just with his words, but with his life. I want to make a difference. And God is saying, look, the way you make a difference is you got to reverse how you think about your life. You're not living to live. You're living to die. Now, here's the issue. There are two kinds of deaths. There's physical death, kick in the bucket, you know, huh? what else you say? Or well, Roscoe says, being planted, you know, huh? Expiring. You know, we think of all these ways to say somebody died, right? There's physical death. And, and I, you know, at funerals, funerals are some of the most spiritual services. Because people's minds are quickened to the reality that, it, that it, my time could come. The other reality is not only will, am I, is time expiring for me. The other reality is, is that Christ calls us to die. Do, now, can I watch this now. The scripture says, Carl, that he was the lamb slain before. He died Before he died. (laughs) He had already. See. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody drug him to the cross. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing me. When When the Pharisees and his enemies. Were by. You know why it didn't bother Jesus. Because he had already died. You can't kill somebody that's already. Man, my whole life, I have been worried about critics and what people have said or saying to me and how they don't like what I'm doing and they don't like how I'm leading. They don't like where I'm going. They don't like how I look. They don't like how I dress. But see, when you've died, can't nobody kill you. When you've already died to yourself, you don't even listen to critics no more. 
Jesus? You know why it could not penetrate him? He says, you can't kill a dead man. I've already died. So that when I die, it's just the formality of what I've already done. And that's what I want to talk about today. I ain't talking about your physical death. That's guaranteed. What's not guaranteed is your spiritual death. And if you do not experience a spiritual death, then your, your, your inevitable death will be a waste. Now, in this text, are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all with me now? Do you get the big idea? The big idea is we're supposed to be figuring out how we're going to die. Some of us sitting here talking about, I want to be translated. Hey, listen, I remember E.E. Cleveland, when I was in his class at Oakwood, David, he told us he was going to be translated. And, you know, because it's E.E. Cleveland, we believed it. E.E. Cleveland was standing, he said, I will not taste death. (laughs) He said, he said, he said that he was going to be a part of the number of, of those that were translated. Listen, we don't know the hour or the day of his coming or our death. E.E. is gone. And you're still here. And it's possible, should the Lord delay his coming, that you go past that way too. But here's the thing. I want you to be more consumed with your spiritual death than your physical death. See, when you have walked into spiritual death, you ain't afraid of death no more. Matter of fact, you ain't afraid of nothing. When you've, oh God, when you've already died, you can't kill, you can't touch me. I love what, 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 what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He, the Pharisees were, were trying to, to get Jesus to fall and trying to get Jesus upset and trying to get him messed up. And he said, listen, the enemy, the enemy, can't, can't, he can't touch me. He said, because he, don't, he can't find nothing in me. See, the only reason why you allow people to get your goat, you know what I mean when I say that, right? To, to get all, to, to, to step all on your corns and your toes and to, and to mess with your feelings and to mess with your head is because they are playing with something that's already in you. But see, when you've died, folk can't bother you. Can I give you an example? If someone, at the end of my sermon, if someone were to say to me, I didn't like his sermon. He can't preach. Now, see, if I'm alive, spiritually, oh, I feel some kind of way. Well, they don't know how much I prepared. Huh? Or, or, or you get into, well, I heard somebody else preaching. I, I preach better than him. See, that's self. And he's too alive, and he needs to be dead. See, the only way people can get, 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 get that that thing in you where you feel some kind of way is when you're too alive. See, people who are overly sensitive are people who ain't died. Now, now I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor, see, you stand, you stand all the way up there. And you got the mic in your hand and you're the pastor of our church. So it's easy for you to talk like that because you're the pastor. Listen, brothers and sisters, I sweat like you sweat. I bleed like you bleed. I cuss like you cuss. <laughs> I lie like you lie. I get proud like you get proud. Come on, y'all. I get angry like you get angry. No, I can't get nobody to pray with me in here. I'm too real for you. Uh-huh, huh, huh. Huh? 
I manipulate like you manipulate? Huh? Oh, I can't get nobody to pray. Huh? 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 I get easily offended like you get easily offended. I, I, I hold on to grudges like you hold on to grudges. See, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to think that there's somehow a disconnect between those that stand here and those that stand there. The bottom line is everybody in here needs to die. Everybody in here needs the Lord. Everybody. And what I'm saying to you is not unattainable. It can be attained by the grace of God. I feel the Holy Ghost in here now. I feel my help in here now, Melanie. I feel God pushing me to preach this thing because we love to have spiritual superheroes where we can look up and say, I can never believe like that. I can never witness like that. I can never minister like that. But don't you know that everybody that God has ever used were simply people that had been broken? Now, so so, so, so watch what happens here. In verse 26, the Bible says, Talking about the order of breaking bread. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. Underline that. He blessed it. Underline that. He broke it. Underline that. And then he gave it. Everybody get that? He took it. Huh? He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. You should be able to say it with me now. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. Just four things. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it. Now watch this now. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. Then he gave it. Me and my boys would say this, you know, trying to be deep and use, you know, use the lingo. Yo, where y'all breaking bread at? What, is that, what does that mean? Where, where you break bread at today? Huh? But th- th- that means, where did you eat? Right? But watch this now. You can't break bread by yourself. You, you didn't know that. When you're talking about breaking bread, you're talking about with somebody else. You can't break bread by yourself. Not under the idea of breaking bread. See, What Christ was doing here as they were celebrating the Passover is, in their communion system, you know, they didn't have no Purell. They had no stockings on. (laughs) You know, I know the sisters, sometimes, you know, because we wear stockings, you're not washing feet, you wash stockings. They didn't have all that sanitary, you know, uh, things. When it was time to eat, they took one piece of bread, and they put their hands on it, broke it. Now, that would drive my wife crazy. <laughs> Listen, I was that one when our kids were coming up. 
Listen, I was the one when my kids were coming out. We got there eventually. That, you know, listen, they, my, my son eating a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, and drops it on the floor. Come on now. Listen, it only got to be five seconds for me. <laughs> I picked that thing. It, listen, he's still here. He's still here. It, it didn't kill him. <laughs> it did not kill him. Ain't no five seconds. My wife, she drives dry, so crazy. You know, listen now, I mean, if you ever come to eat with me, you know, and I do cook. But, I, you know, I am sanitary, about, you know, especially when Shanae is around. You, you never know when she's not. Yo, but so they're breaking bread. It is, it is an unsanitary transaction. They are breaking it and they're sharing it. Understand now, the idea of breaking bread is an idea of community. Stay here. It is an idea of, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is, of sharing. Come, come, come to me, come to me, come, come, come. When Jesus was breaking the bread, the breaking of the bread was a symbol of what was going to happen to his life and what he wanted to do with our lives. So let's deal with his life. He took himself. His father took him from heaven. And then when he took him, he blessed him. Now, isn't it awesome how God blesses us before we do anything? The scripture says when uh, Elder Cox, when Christ came out of the baptism, Orlando, before he had worked any miracles, Percy, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well. He blessed him before he did anything. Can I, oh, let me help you out now. See, the way we work is we reward people. We bless them after they do something. But in God's mind, you ain't going to be able to do what I want you to do unless I bless you first. How many know right now you, you were born blessed? Come, oh, come on in here. How many know you showed up blessed? Come on, come on, talk to me, y'all. How many know you are blessed in the city, in the field, when you come in, when you go out, just blessed? I live in blessings. I swim in blessings. I'm drowning in blessings right now. I'm blessed. The only reason I can do what I do is because I'm blessed. I don't do what I do to get blessed. I'm already blessed. But Madison, so watch what happens here. He took him. So what that symbolizes is, is first Christ chooses you. Now, see, that's important for you to understand the next few points. Touch yourself and say, I have been chosen. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Right? One more time. Say, I have been chosen. Some of you don't believe me. Say, I have been called. Say, I am anointed. God wants to use me. Come on, no, no, come on, talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Say, God wants to use me. Say, God is going to use me. Come on, t- come on, brothers and sisters. You, if you go to the shrink, you'll do this. But let's do it in church. You touch yourself. Say, God is going to use me. He wants to use me. He is called to use me. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Watch. So first he calls you to be blessed. The Bible says he took him. He blessed it. He broke it. Then he gave it. The goal of your life, ready, set, go. That's our mission statement here. The goal of your life is to go. See, most of y'all think the goal of your life is to sit down and do nothing and enjoy life. No, 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 no. The reason why God took you is so that he can give you away. 
can I work from the, from, from, from the ends of this thing? Notice now, he took him, he blessed it, he broke it, then he gave it. The destination and the goal for every Christian is to be given. It's to, be a, it's to have a life where you are not your own anymore. A life where self has been totally removed. Where your whole life is consumed with others. Your whole life is only consumed about giving. How do I know that's the goal? Because that's who Christ was. Christ's whole life was a life of giving. Uh, he, he, was not, he did not live unto himself. Everybody here. Everybody, listen. The goal of life is to be given. You are not your own. You are bought with reason why you got that job. It ain't for you so you can set your family up. God, help us to reorient our thinking. God took you to give you. Here's the problem, though. The hardest thing in the world is to get from called to given. Because what happens is, is most of us, God takes us, he blesses us, and we just want to stay right there. And that, see, that's, see that's, that, that, that Michelle is just how good God is, though. Because his blessings be so good that you don't even want to move from that level. You just want to stay taken. Oh, bless me, Lord. <laughs> oh, keep it coming, God. Keep on, keep on blessing me. Watch what happens, though. And, and we see this with Adam and Eve. Adam what, was taken by God, and then he was blessed by God with Eve. He, he, God's blessings be so awesome that they almost rival God. We start making gods out of what God blessed us with. You, you got me now? Your job. That ain't yours. That's God's. Huh? That house of yours. That you spend all your money decorating. And, and come in. Can't nobody come in there with no shoes on. Come on, talk to me, beloved. Huh? Huh? That house was a blessing, but you kind of forgot that it was given for a purpose. Your health, your strength, your time, your praise, your children, your marriage. God blessed you with that so that you could give. Here, oh, God, help me now. Oh, God is, oh, listen, I'm telling y'all, this is Holy Ghost time right now because I had prepared none of this. Holy, here's the thing. Well, the problem in life is, is that the enemy tries to get us so preoccupied with the blessings of God that we lose sight with the ultimate destination, which is to be given. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it. So we're cool with being called. We're cool with being blessed. And we, and we can kind of figure out that we need to be given. But here it is. Here it is. You will never accept being given until you are broken. See, Elder Violet Cox, we want to be called. We want to be blessed. And we want to leap over that to be used. And I have found. That you cannot be used of God. You are unuseful to him, Nikki, until you've been broken. Now, there are two kinds of ways. Now, do you know what brokenness is? Brokenness is helplessness. 
What did I say? What did I say? No, please don't miss this part now. I almost feel like I spent too much time on the other stuff because you can't miss this. Brokenness. See, this is where God wants us. The Bible says in, in, in Psalms 51, one of your favorite texts of scripture, he says, a broken spirit and a contrite heart is what I want. See, you cannot be used of God until you are broken. Now, now, let me tell you this. Some of our definitions of brokenness are not really brokenness. Just because you got embarrassed one time and one person did you, did you wrong don't mean broken. Broken, Carl and Demario, is when you get to a place where you no longer are fighting for supremacy for your will. You have given your will up totally. And let me tell you what it looks like. See, in our society, we tell people, don't be a doormat, right? Christ was so divested of self. He had gotten so broken that when folk fooled with him, Rachel, he didn't try to stop him. He didn't fight for his own rights. That, see, for more, most of us, we don't even understand that. Do you realize you ain't supposed to be defending yourself? Do you realize you're not supposed to be fighting for your rights? Christians don't go around talking about, they, they, they messing with my reputation. They mess with Jesus. Jesus, study the word, he never fought for his own rights. Brokenness is when you get to a place where you totally lose concern about you and you are only concerned about his will. Christ had to be broken. When he came here, he was not broken. If God had to be broken, where was he broken? In the Garden of Gethsemane. How do we know? Because here's the discussion. He said, Father, take this cup. Ah, ah, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. An unbroken person is still caught up in themselves, caught up in their rights. Caught up in what they want to do and how they want to do it. When you get to a place when Jesus has broken you, you no longer care about your life or your will. The Bible says whoever gives up his life will save it. But whoever tries to save his life will lose it. I ain't fighting nobody no more. By the grace of God. I'm done. In 2000 and 2014, I am by the grace of God going to press through, not worrying about what critics say. I'm not going to be trying to defend myself anymore. The word of God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He'll do better than you can. Come on, say amen. You'll make a mess out of something, but God said, let me fight your battles. What did he say to Jehoshaphat? This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Brokenness is when you are so aware of yourself that you are no longer self-righteous anymore. That's how I know many of us are not broken. Because you're still walking around here like you run the show. And like you God's gift to the church. And that you're better than other people. A clear sign that you have not been broken is when you have an overly estimated view of your own righteousness. See, a broken person a broken person ain't running around there talking about how good they are no more. Because you done got broke. Lord have mercy, I can't hear nobody talk to me. There are two ways God breaks you. 
There are two ways God breaks you. Two ways. Gradually and suddenly. <laughs> Can we talk about gradually first? See, your whole life, God has been trying to break you. And, and, and can I show you? See, like Jacob wrestling with the angel, as God is trying to break you, you think it's an enemy. Can I give you some examples of how God is trying to break you? You have relationship issues with somebody, and there's unforgiveness, there's a grudge, you need to have a conversation. God tells you to do it, you don't want to do it. You ain't broken. God's telling you to give more, but you won't because you ain't broke. No, you are broke, but you ain't broke. And the reason why you're going to stay broke is because you ain't been broken. See, you see what I'm saying? Anytime there's a voice of the Holy Spirit saying, do this, and then there is resistance, you ain't broke. You've not been broken. God's calling you to do a ministry. You're not broken. Why? Because you ain't said yes yet. You cannot be taken, blessed, and not broken and then be given. And the reason why many of us do not have the impact that God had designed for our lives before you were born is because you're too busy fighting against being broken. So for many of you, you have lived for years. And you, you got baptized, you became a Seventh-day Adventist, you know all the doctrine, you've been in the church, you come on time, but you ain't never been broken. When people talk to you, they can't get past superficial. You, you, you resist and are fearful of being transparent. You ain't been broken. See, a transparent person don't care no more about how people perceive them. They're no longer walking around with fig leaves on, trying to act like they're this and they're that. You know why? Because they already died. I don't mind telling you that even as, even as a minister of the gospel, that I had struggled for six years with pornography because I'm dead. I had preachers tell me, if you tell that, them saints going to look at you like you're crazy. So what? So they can tell their testimony, but I can't tell mine. And in the ministry, I've got friends of mine this year, preachers, young brothers. I can count on my hand, about four or five of them, who started in the ministry and out now because of moral, because of moral falls. Ain't been broken. And I, I can't speak for you, but I know in the ministry, it's all about this. That's so-and-so. Or oh, he passes this church. He did this. He did that. And, and, and really, it's a clamoring, Linda, for the approval of men. It's a clamoring. I don't know about your job and your life, but I'm just talking about me now. It's a constant clamoring. Did they like you? Did the members love you? And many preachers, I'm just talking about preachers now because I can't talk about you. Many times, God had to check me. He said, why are you going to visit that person? Are you going to visit so you can say that you visited so that their family can feel good about you and say that you're a good guy? Why did you preach that part in your sermon? Did you preach that part in your sermon so people could befriend you and think that, okay, he is one of us. He's safe. We'll follow him. 
See, Christ did not lead like that because Christ was no longer his own. He was totally dead to self, and so he could live in the freeness of the spirit, Willie, because people no longer controlled him. He was controlled by the will of God. And many of us do not have the power in our lives to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish because we're too busy licking our fingers in the air, Sister Ballard, and trying to find out who approves of what we're doing. I know we got foot washing, but I feel God in this place. If he takes you, he got to bless you. Come on in here. And here's the good news right here. Can we praise him for a minute? Thank God that he blesses us before he breaks us. Because if he didn't bless you before he breaks you, then the breaking would destroy you. And many of us, God has been working on us for years on a certain thing in our life. And we keep fighting God. Somebody said to me the other day, Pastor, you need to slow down what you're doing in the church. People, people are resistant to change. If you are resistant to change, you are resistant to the Holy Spirit. You can't be guided by the Spirit and not be open to change. I don't know about you, but the Spirit never says, stay where you are. Congratulations. You're doing well. Keep doing what you're doing. The Spirit is always telling me, you ain't done yet. You ain't got higher yet. You ain't surrendered more. You got more to surrender, more to sacrifice, more to give. You ain't here yet. Keep pushing. Keep fighting. But thank God he blesses us before he breaks us. How many know it would have killed you if you had not gotten blessed? How many know if somebody didn't come and tell you, keep fighting, you would have given up, lost your mind, taken the pills, hung yourself, pulled the bullet in your head. Thank you, Jesus, that it didn't kill me. Thank you that I'm just broken and I'm not destroyed. Some of you are fighting being broken, but you don't realize that the devil is trying to kill you. God just wants to break you. Broken people are nice. You know why? They don't got no choice. And so for years, think about it. God's been trying to work on you in this area. People have been trying to talk to you about it. But you're just so proud. You haven't died. And so God is gradually. Now here's the thing with gradual brokenness. At some point, it's going to happen suddenly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listen, I, and I, ho- I hope this scares you too. I hope so. I, hope so. I, I, I mean, at this point, whatever works, there will come a time where all the gradual patience of God will end with a sudden, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, will end with a sudden crisis in your life that brings you to your knees. You know what I'm talking about, sister? It, I, I know. He, because what happened is, is uh, Craig, see, the Holy Spirit is sitting there, and he's trying to say, hey, Craig, I want you to do this. Craig, need you to consider this, Craig. And, he, and you know how patient the Spirit of God is, right? Yeah. Uh, how many know what I'm talking about? He's patient. Uh, uh, Thelma, he is patient. I mean, he's, he's just, Lord, worship me. Nina, he's patient. He just, oh, you know, just, I need you to do this and do that. And see, after about 25 years, even the patience of the Holy Ghost says, you know what? See, Ain't no way they're going to get in the kingdom the way they are. So suddenly. (laughs) Oh, it'll come in your marriage. 
It'll come in your finances. It'll come in your health. And I've really seen it come in folks' health. It amazes me how sober people get about their walk with God when they get sick. Listen, man, I'm such a, I'm such a, I'm, I'm so afraid of being sick and pain. Let me tell you the other day. This is, going, this is kind of funny. Listen. <laughs> you know, listen, it's almost like I, listen, I know if God put me like on a sick bed, well, I will serve him. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Because, see, I can't even handle the stomach flu. I'm repenting of sins. Come on, somebody. With the, with the common cold. Yo, the other day, the other day during Thanksgiving, man, I, I, I ain't drink no water. Man, I was drinking pop and juice and just, you know, I, and man, I had this pain in my back. I said, oh, this is just back pain. Let me stretch out. That w- and then I woke up in the middle of the night and that thing was excruciating. And I said, what in the world? I called my uncle who's a physician. I said, man, what's going on here, man? He said, it's your kidneys. So when's last you drank some water? Said <laughs> so your kidneys can't process all that all that pop. Listen now, look now. What I'm, I'm being, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, I wasn't even really sick for sure, for for real. It was just a little pain. And listen, let me tell you, I woke up in the middle of the night and told God I'd serve Him for the rest of my life. I told Him I'd do His will. <laughs> Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. <laughs> Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Just take this away, God. Sometimes you got to lay hands on yourself. I was looking for oil. I wasn't, I wasn't too far from that. Suddenly, sometimes, and see, many of you, see, you laughing at me because you're like, this boy, he ain't been through nothing. Some of you have been, here's the, here's the scary part. Some of you have experienced suddenly moments and it didn't take. Wake up, y'all. Some of you, and you, and all this time, the devil been busy in my life. Oh, the devil is at work. That ain't him. That's God. That's God, Sister Daniels, trying to break you. But it didn't take. That's a scary thing. When God has used gradually and suddenly, and you still ain't broken. Well, as we close. There's a reason. How many glad Christ was broken? Because he was broken, now we all have access to him. If I took out one piece of bread, the only way we could all share it is if we all took off a piece. Huh? The reason why God is trying to break you is so that you are shareable. Right now, your life is so full of pride and self that God says, I can't reproduce that. can't share that you still have issues with certain kinds of people how am I going to use you and here's the thing go ahead let me me tell you something that the Lord told me this year and I had somebody confirm it The the Lord said to me he said listen the downfall of your life is going to be comfort he says what I want to do through you 
I want, to, I want you to reach people that you never thought you could reach. I want you to love people that you never thought you could love. I want you to do what you never thought you could do. Because in your current condition of unbrokenness, I can't use that. Can't use it. So many of us, we're, we've been called, we're blessed, and we're at church. That's it. But you've never been given. You've never been given. You've never gotten to a place where your life is not your own. You're still calling the shots. It's still what you want to do. You still do when, when you serve how you want to serve. You give how you want to give. You believe the vision as you want to believe the vision. It's just, I'm just, I, look, I'm marching to the beat of my own drum. I love who I want to love. I'm nice to who I want to, I'm, I'm nice to who I want to be nice to. I'm just going to do me. And God says, you keep doing you and you're going to die and go to a devil's hell. I've got to break you because i got plans for you. My plan is not for you to sit up and retire. Huh? My plan is not for you to sit up, young person, and just find a, a spouse. My plan for you is to give you away so that you can change and help somebody out. If your life is totally preoccupied with your own survival, guess what? There's a gradual and a sudden breaking coming your way. It's coming. And some of us, we... Some of us don't even want to hear the Holy Ghost. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. The Holy Ghost is talking to some of us right now, and we try to block him out by, by creating distractions in our mind, thinking about other things that we need to do, because we don't want to sit in a place of vulnerable, vulnerability. See, you cannot be broken unless you're vulnerable. And many of us are not used to being in a place. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't even know how to get there. I've been hurt so much. I don't know how to trust. I don't know how to believe. So when you start preaching all this stuff on faith, the only way I, the only way I can process it is based on what I've experienced. But see, if you only hold God to what you've experienced, then you're going to put God in a box. One of the worst things you can say is, well, I know we should live by faith, but, but we got to consider reality. What you are really saying is, is, I don't believe God. And the only thing I know to go by is what I can see. And God says, you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. Is there anybody in here today, before you go into communion, before you go into communion and celebrate what he's done, you need to be broken. You're asking God, God, break me. See, if you invite him to do it, then some of you won't have to go through what you got to go through. Some stuff we go through, not because we have to or we should, but because God, God says, I've tried other ways, but they resisted to it. Why don't you just surrender? And surrender is not for the new member. Surrender is for everybody who has not been broken. If you need to be broken, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. This ain't for everybody, but those of you that know that there needs to be a brokenness in your life, a brokenness in your praise. I've discovered you can't be critical of other people when you're broken. Ooh, it's, I'm telling you, there is freedom in your worship, in your service. You, you don't have to go places and avoid people. 
When you ain't broken, you can't, there's certain sides of the sanctuary you can't walk on. When you ain't been broken, there's certain people you can't talk to. But let me tell you this. I know when you're broken, man, you're so free. I mean, you're just walking around your enemies. <laughs> huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't matter where, you don't, it doesn't matter what, because you are broken. Broken. Your heads about, your eyes are closed. Is there anybody here today that needs to? In 2013, going into 14. Say, God, I thank you for choosing me. I thank you for blessing me. I'm learning to thank you for breaking me. But I want to be given. I want to be used. And I want you to know right now, the Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church, we need broken people to help change a broken world. We need people who are not marginally committed, but overly committed. The church no longer needs to be something that I can do if I can afford it or if it's in my time. But the church ought to be number one because it is the body of Christ. It ought not compete with your life anymore because it's no longer your life. It's his life. Is there anybody here today that this year you want to be used by God? And however he's going to use you, however he's going to bless you, any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied is your story. I want to invite you to come right now. Broken, used by God. You know that there's more to your life than what currently is going on. And I'm saying harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. If the spirit of God is speaking to you today to walk into brokenness so that you can be given, I invite you to move. God's expectation for your life is not simply just to join a church, come to service, and do what you want to do when you feel like doing it. God's expectation of your life is to be broken so that you can be given away any way he wants to give you to anybody Father God, right now, we agree with the song. Give me a clean heart so that I might serve thee. Lord, fix my heart. Fix it, Lord, so that we can be used by you, Lord. God, it is our minds that need changing, our hearts that need changing. God, thank you, Jesus, Lord. You keep blessing us so that when you break us, the breaking won't kill us. Hallelujah!
We got survivors all over the house of God today. You never thought you would have made it. But you made it because he blessed you. Have I got any blessed folk in here today? Uh, Just wave your hand to the Lord right now. And just offer up a word of praise and say, thank you God for blessing. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for blessing. I didn't deserve it. But thank you Jesus for blessing me. Thank you Lord for hearing and answering this prayer. In Jesus name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And amen. I want to ask the deacons if they will come and wait on us this morning. But before they do, and I want to wait till everyone is seated. My brothers and sisters today, you know, those of you who've been in the Adventist church for a long time, you know, at the end of the year, the preacher would come and say it's time to square up with God. 